Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. I don't want them going there. I don't want anybody going there. Who would want anybody going there? Even God himself is like, I don't, I, I don't want anybody to perish. But he is a just God. He is a just God. And there is a price to be paid. And if we don't want to accept his free gift, then, then, then that's somebody saying, okay, I'll pay it myself. Well, do you understand what that means? It's eternal. It doesn't just go away. The reality of heaven is so beautiful and filled with hope, but that comes with the reality of hell. There's a very real place that Jesus has saved us from, but that salvation is only for those that put their faith and trust in him. It's not God's will that any should perish, but there is a decision that all of us will have to make. In today's message, Pastor James shares about the reality of hell. The reality that this place exists should push us to have a greater emphasis on evangelism. Now turn in your Bible to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, as Pastor James continues his message, Personal Holiness. God has blessed us with this thing called free will. And he will not stand in the way of it. And we read that verse from, from 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, where it talked about his, his desires that all people would turn, they would repent and they would turn to him. He desires that none should perish. None. But yet they do. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 talks about this in result, in the, in the end of it all, that it is eternal suffering. Hell is eternal. It's eternal. The fires never go out. And that's what even Jesus was, he was pointing there at Gehenna, right there on the outskirts of Jerusalem. You know, it's a little trash, trash heap type place where they used to do children's sacrifices. And now it just become like a rubbish area. And, and the fires were burning all the time. He says, that's their destination where the fire never dies where the worm never dies, right? And the fires never go out. That's the reality of rejecting Jesus. Um, throw away any ideas that you may have gotten concerning hell uh, from reading, um, you know, Dante's Inferno or and whatever that's called, that book's called, I can't remember anymore. But just throw all, it's, and it's not like, Satan doesn't rule in hell. I don't know, that was weird. Um, he doesn't walk around with the pitchfork and uh, he's like the boss of hell. He's not the boss of hell. He gets thrown into hell with all the fallen angels. There's no parties in hell. I used to think that in, in high school. That's what I thought. I don't know why. Um, but I thought like, well, if all my friends are going to go to hell, then I'll join them because we'll just party down there. It's not true. I don't even know where that came from. Um, but hell is eternal darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth, suffering. Every moment of every day, forever and ever and ever. Let me read you this description from Mr. Tripp here. It's Paul David Tripp or David Paul Tripp. I always mix it up. He's got like three first names, or he's got like. Not three first names, but he wrote this book, 
Do You Believe? He's a fantastic author, by the way. Fantastic author. But he wrote this book, Do You Believe? And this is all like core Christian doctrine type stuff. I want to read you guys his description of hell. Like, because we don't, I mean, we, we get a lot of descriptive terms concerning hell, but the way that he paints this is ab- absolutely incredible. He says, concerning hell, Imagine what would happen to the world if for just one moment God would withdraw his presence and his power. And that's another reality of hell. No more presence. In God's presence, there's separation, right? Everything around us would explode into utter chaos. We would lose all ability to be the beings we were created to be. Now imagine the horror of the eternal chaos of living in a place completely separate from the presence, power, and grace of God. Imagine being in a place where nothing is what it was created to be, where there is no order, beauty, or rationality, where emotions have descended into unspeakable darkness, where there is nothing on which you can depend, where everything is completely broken and will never be restored where every day is a a horribly bad day and will never be followed by a better day, where beautiful things have become monstrous things, where everything and everyone is bent, twisted, and distorted, where everything you lay your eyes on is a horror and there is no escape. Imagine the awfulness of of God saying, you have wanted to live separate from me for your entire life. So you will now live in that state forever. Imagine the hell of separation of God. We take for granted this connection we have with God. Even on this earth, non-believers, now I'm not saying they have a connection with God at all, but they experience his grace and they experience his mercy. Can you imagine what that is like? Where, Where in hell there is no grace, there is no mercy. That's frightening. And that's not stated there to, we're not trying to scare anybody into heaven, but we are trying to paint this picture of the reality of hell. It's a real destination. And we would be unloving as a church to not talk about it. I get it. Churches don't want to talk about it because, well, people don't want to hear it. Well, people need to hear it. My goodness, we need it. People need to know. In the church today, 2022, people need to know, hey, guess what? We're sinners. We're sinners. I don't like hearing that. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. You're a sinner. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for me. Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to go to hell, that we could spend eternity with him. That's beautiful. And any church or any pastor or any theologian or whatever who wants to throw away hell They are trampling all over the sacrificed body of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine God sending his one and only beloved son to die on this earth and only in for turn for us to really to to spit upon that idea and say like, well, we don't really like that. That doesn't mesh with our humanistic viewpoints, God. Makes us feel bad. So we're going to stop talking about it. Because we want people to feel good. Times are hard. People need to feel, times are difficult. People need to know they're sinners. And they need, they need to know that Jesus loves them. 
and that he died for them, and that the worst we face on this planet is the worst we will ever experience in all of our eternity. We, we don't want to coddle people all the way down to hell. I'll make you feel good. I'll make you feel good. Until what? Until they die, then they're like, hey, gee, th- thanks. Sometimes we do. We just care too much in one sense about what people think, and I'm all for that to a certain degree, but not at the expense of the gospel and not at the expense of my Jesus getting the flesh removed from his back and the crown of thorns jammed onto his scalp and then having nails, spikes driven through his wrist and his ankles and dying there on a cross for my sins and all that blood that was spilt for me, for me. We got to talk about hell. 74% of people polled believe in heaven. 59% believe in hell. And I don't know of the source material on that. I think that was a poll possibly given in churches. And I wouldn't be surprised. We need to talk about these things. We don't need to be ashamed of the doctrine of hell. We don't need to be ashamed of that. I appreciate heaven all that much more when I realize what the other choice is. Like, yes, heaven, please. I'll take that. I'll take that. And then when I think of my loved ones, friends, family members who may not know the Lord Jesus, when I read about eternal suffering, eternal punishment, that breaks my heart for the ones that I care about. I'm like, Lord, help me to know how to minister to them, how to talk to them. Please open up pathways, doors where I can introduce you to them or send somebody, it doesn't have to be me, send somebody to share the gospel with them, Lord, because I want them I don't want them going there. I don't want anybody going there. Who would want anybody going there? Even God himself is like, I don't, I, I don't want anybody to perish. But he is a just God. He is a just God. And there is a price to be paid. And if we don't want to accept his free gift, then, then, then that's somebody saying, okay, I'll pay it myself. Well, do you understand what that means? It's eternal. It doesn't just go away. I wrote this uh, little quote down, kind of anonymous, although it could be me. I don't usually teach from notes, so I have these scribbles on the paper, and I'm like, did I say that, or did somebody else say that? So if I'm plagiarizing somebody, my bad. I think I'm plagiarizing myself, though. But just as people don't go to heaven for being good people, right? We know that. People don't go to heaven because they're good. I hope, I hope we know that, right? I hope we know that. I'm seeing some head shakes and some like, uh, no, you don't. You go to heaven because of Jesus, okay? Um, here's, the, here's the flip side. You're not sent to hell for being a bad person. You're not being sent to hell because you're a bad person. I would classify myself as a bad person covered by the blood of Christ, right? I got, I'm, I'm, I got mistakes. I make mistakes, right? I'm a sinner. That's just how it is. I'm not, I don't get access into heaven because I'm a good guy. People go to heaven because of Jesus. People go to hell because they reject Jesus. Good people will go to hell because they reject Jesus. That's the reality. Our eternal destiny solely depends on what we do with Jesus, receive his free gift of salvation or reject it. And that's, that's it. I mean, that's just how it is. 
So let's look at the good news. And just so you know, you read through your Bibles, you're going to see different terms used for uh, some, some descriptive terms concerning the afterlife and all that. Hades uh, is one of those, or Sheol. Uh, speaking of the grave, Gehenna, that's the area that Jesus was pointing out when he was given this message in Mark. That's used 12 times within the Bible and mostly by Jesus. There's the Tataris, that's in Second Peter chapter 2. That's like this abyss thing. So this is all concerning like pits and graves and all that good stuff. And then there's this last one. It's called the lake of fire. So turn over to Revelation chapter 20, please. Revelation 20. You can do um, like a YouTube video search on, on hell. And I watched through some teachings. Oh, they were hard to watch through. Um, this week, I'm, I'm not saying that mine are easy to sit through. But um, they were talking about like the truth about hell right? Like how all these Christian guys have gotten it wrong and it's not really a real place and all this good stuff. And I'm like, well, okay, here's the deal. Even though some scholars, quote unquote, don't believe in hell, Jesus did. He did. And he talked about it. And uh, he usually talked about stuff he believed in and he's God. And, you know, I'm just going to bank on that over these uh, supposed, you know, scholars in the world today. Okay. So that's my two cents. Revelation chapter 20. So we have like all the stuff, all the chaos, every, all the craziness has happened within the book of Revelation. You get to chapter 20, these last two, you know, you got the thousand years and that's at the beginning of chapter 20, the defeat of Satan, you know, all this, all this fun stuff, right? Verse 11 is where we pick up the, the great white throne judgment. Verse 11 says, I saw a great white throne and, and the one sitting on it. Okay. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found, they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were open, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they, they had done. Remember, Jesus talked about that in Matthew, where we just read that, right? All the stuff that they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death, the grave, gave up their dead. Basically this, there's no place. In the end, there's no place to hide. There's no place to hide. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now you can go back into 20 earlier passages where Satan himself is thrown into that lake. Okay? As essentially as a prisoner. As a prisoner. Same with the false prophet, same with the antichrist. They're tossed into this lake. But here's like this is the end of it all and this is where it's like okay, so um, you get through, you know, tribulation times and all this good stuff. But this is like the end before you get into a new Jerusalem, new heavens, new earth, and all that good stuff. Anybody whose, whose name was not written in the book of life, their destination is that lake of fire. Is that lake of fire. Death was thrown into there as well. This is the second death. So you can, you know, be born once. If you're born only once, you'll die twice. You're born only once, you'll die twice, okay? If you're born twice, you only die once. Do the math. I'm like, mm, I'll, I'll take that latter option, right? I'll take that one. Born, be reborn in Christ, John chapter three. Experience death only once. Yes, please, 
Yeah, I, that's, everybody's afraid of dying. Nobody wants to do anything about it. Well, we try to do our health stuff and all that to prevent. Death is a reality. It's going to happen for everybody unless you get raptured. Death is a reality for everybody. What's worse than dying twice? Going to hell. That's what it is. Yeah, so in the end, those whose names are not recorded in the, the Lamb's Book of Life, their destination is the lake of fire. The lake of fire, where the fire never diminishes. That's the reality for those who don't receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Surrender their lives to him. I hope and I pray that I'm talking to people that have done that. You've been born again. You've been reborn. And so the only death you're worried about, which you shouldn't be worried about at all, because it's not really death for us, it's falling asleep, really, and waking up in the presence of Jesus. But if, if you are one who, is, who hasn't been born again, well, today, you've got to surrender your life to Jesus. Because this isn't a scare tactic. This is just being real. This is just being real. Heaven is real. Heaven is eternal. And even if hell is not eternal, then why would heaven be eternal? Jesus used the exact same word to saying eternal suffering and eternal life. Man, Jesus paid the ultimate price for, for you and I. He paid the ultimate price for us. He stepped into our place and did for us what we could have never done for ourselves. And so that we would never have to experience this. That's how beautiful he is. That's how amazing Jesus is. He is so amazing. So amazing that he would do that for us. And then to top it all off, I mean, you can just, this can be your homework assignment. Just, you know, read the rest of Revelation 21 and 22. That's what's to come. That's what's to come for those who are sheep, right? Not in the sense that people are using sheep nowadays. I don't know, understand what that all is, but um, I'm talking about sheep. Like God is, you're on the right hand side. You belong to him. He is your good and great shepherd. You've accepted that free gift where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody enters through the Father, to the Father, but through me. I'm the door. Only one way, and that's Jesus. So if you receive that, read the rest of Revelation 21, well, read 21 and 22, and get excited this week about what's to come. I think Christians, and I, what I mean by the term Christian is actually like real Christians, not pseudo-Christians, not American Christians, not this thing like, I go to church, so I'm saved, because that's, that's nonsense. That's not true. Well, I'm an American. I'm a Christian. No, you're not. Um, that's not true. A Christian is, actually means Christ follower. Surrender to Christ the King. Like, I, I, I received that free gift of salvation that he offered to me. I confess with my, believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Christ, that he is, he's the Messiah, that he, that he died on the cross for me. I'm talking about those Christians. We should live as if we're going to heaven. We should live as if we're going to heaven and not hell. The world should see us and be like, not that we're always happy, but that we're joyful. That we're joyful. What do you have to smile about? You know, this world's hard, but I know where I'm headed. I know where I'm headed. It's difficult. This, this world is difficult. Life is difficult. How was your week last week? Was it pretty good? Mine wasn't. It was horrible. 
had poison ivy all over my face. That was awesome. You've made it seem as, you're like, either he's angry or he's embarrassed. No, I'm infected. That's what I was, okay? It started on my arms and went right across my face. That's what was happening. And then as soon as I get done with that, I pull a muscle or something in my back. And that was as soon as it cleared up, I'm like, sweet, hallelujah. And then, oh my goodness, my back hurts. Um, I know, it's like, okay, must be teaching on hell this week. Um, <laughs> I'll be teaching on heaven next week. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just going to get back into Mark. I just got to get back into Gospel of Mark. But look, life's difficult. But you know what? Through all that stuff, we're heaven bound. We should, that, that should show on our countenance, right? Like the lost should see that about us and be like, I want what you have. I want, well, why do Christians live as if, as if they're going to hell? It doesn't make any sense. I get it. I'm brokenhearted at times. The world's suffering and it breaks my heart. I, I see things and it crushes me. But man, I'm going to heaven. We're going to heaven. There should be this song in our soul. We should walk around with this song in our souls, so to speak, and, and singing, like Paul said to the churches, like singing hymns to one another and encouraging one another and lifting each other up and building each other up. Why? Because we're saved. Because we're saved. I've, I've shared this with you guys before. The most attractive thing to me concerning Christianity were Christians who lived differently than I lived. I wasn't looking for hope and peace from people who lived like me because I was miserable. They were Christians. They went to church and all that good stuff and they were joyous. And that's what I wanted. That's, that's what attracted me to Jesus. So let's, you and I, go out there and live as if we're going to heaven and that we're in love with Jesus, and that we appreciate the fact that he died on the cross for all of our sins and rose again from the grave. And let's tell people about that. Because there's a lost world out there, and I can promise you, there are probably a ton of people who don't know Jesus who would love to know the hope you have. We just got to be willing to talk to them. We just got to be willing to, and if they see us mean mugging everybody, they're not going to be like, well, I bet that's a Christian. Well, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm not a Christian. I, how I wear my face is not reflective of who I am. I'm sorry. I should smile more, right? Like, just be nice, but share the gospel with people. Hell's reality. It's a very real reality. And if, if God the Father wishes none to perish, that should be our same heart and attitude towards everybody. Wish none to perish. Okay, so, but it takes us living this thing out. So we'll be back, in, like I said, Mark chapter 10, divorce, fun. I'm, listen, I, I grew up a divorce family. This one, I know what this subject matter is about. I know what it's like. I myself have been married for 21 years, which is amazing, amazing. But having been a, a kid, a product from a divorced family, I, I understand what that, and it's, it's, it's hard subject matter. I'm not going to pretend it, it is hard subject matter, but Jesus is so good. Even on these difficult passages of scripture, like hell and divorce and things like that, and the Lord is so good. He's so gracious. It's amazing. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, for the broken.
You've been listening to the radio ministry Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you to a point of action. These teachings are meant to help you find hope and new life in Jesus, and that's our heart's desire for you today. If you're in the Galveston area, would you come be a part of what's happening at Calvary Galveston? Our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just want to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. We also do a live stream on Facebook, so check it out, even if you are a little further away. If you're interested in hearing more messages like this one, you can do that by going to the Listen tab at breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover a little more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us here. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website too, if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We'd also love it if you would join us in praying for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share new things with you in the coming study. There's always more that we can gain from diving deep into God's Word. Until next time, we encourage you to stay connected to God and His Word, and to then come back for more solid teachings right here. We'll be waiting for you, here on Bread for the Broken.